My name's Josh. And my name's Brett. Welcome to Hapticast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hapticast, episode number 25. My name is Josh Toll, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Brett Roberts. What's going on? What's going on is a lot of things are going on. Yes! A lot of things are going on. Lots of games. Lots of games. A lot of games. Lots of games, lots of gear, lots of gamer gear, uh, and gamer gunk, and gamer goo. That's right. In more ways than one. Yeah. Um, so everybody, welcome to Haptcast. Uh, for those of you that don't know, obviously Brett and I just get together and talk about things in the gaming sphere and realm every week. Uh, this week, what we got for you is we're going to be talking about YouTube's abysmal fucking new advertised ad policy for non-monetized videos. We're going to be getting into that. Talking about Nintendo shutting down a Super Smash Bros. tournament for using mods to play online. I don't know. Brett's going to talk about that more. Uh, we're going to go over some Sega stuff uh, and this emulation of like an old VR game and kind of uh, uh, archiving, if you will, this uh, Sega, Sega VR headset that never came back from like the 90s. Uh, and then we're going to be talking about some comments that uh, PlayStation or Sony Interactive CEO Jim Ryan made about PlayStation's response to Game Pass. We're going to go over that. And then we have an awesome indie game for you all, Spirit of a Samurai, uh, which looks fucking slick. Looks okay. great. So, Brett, before we hop into our main topics, mm-hmm. well, first of all, I do want to remind everybody we're going to be doing something for the Game Awards. So there's that yep. coming. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to be doing a live stream of it. And then next week's pod, um, if I'm doing my math correctly, will be our personal Game Awards, which I know we've talked about doing. So that'll be a yes. special episode of Hapticast. Uh, we're past the century or the the quarter mark, if you will, quarter century mark, whatever you want to call it. Since this is episode twenty five, technically, That's right. it's technically That's episode right. twenty six, and it's technically actually probably like episode fifty or something like that. So. Yeah. So that's that. But all, all right, right. What, what games you playing? So this I, week, I know. I yeah, you know exactly, man. You you've been right there with me. Um, I been I finished. I beat and finished uh, Spider Man Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Um. And I 100%ed it, and now I'm just going through New Game Plus trying to get the Platinum Trophy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. That game was awesome. Really mm-hmm. liked it a lot. And now I am going through Demon Souls with you, and we are on the last Archstone. Yes. And we were playing it this morning. We were playing it last night, the night yes. before that. So yes. we're kind of just trying to get through it. And that's yeah. that's really the two big. Those are the two big games that I've been playing. Yeah. I uh, I platinum miles. I platinum bug snacks. Which, by the way, that one's next. When I'm done pl- platinuming uh m- miles, that one's my next. What a, game. one of the most unique games I've ever played in my entire life. Um, that shit is so weird and cool and funny and uh, interesting. Um, it looks it. Yeah, and then obviously Demon Souls with you. Uh, I'm so glad that our friend Dave. Uh, told me about the royal royalty build because I was literally ready to just be like, yeah, I'm not for me. I'm not playing it, even though I've beaten every other Dark Souls game, Soulsborne type game, except for Sekiro, because that game is literally impossible. Um, it is hard. Yeah. But um, besides that, I played a little more Doom. 
And I also started watching that uh, Netflix uh, miniseries with Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, The Queen's Gambit. I don't know if you heard about that or not. Is it a series or a movie? It's a miniseries. Oh, really? It's, yeah, it's like seven or eight episodes, something like that. Um, so it's a little miniseries. It's, uh, it's quite good. Yeah, I saw it showed up on Letterboxd, and it has like a really high score, like a lot higher than I thought it would. Yeah, I think it's like I think it's more than a four. Yeah, it's like a yeah. four two or something right now on Letterboxd. Um, it's good, and I like Anya Taylor-Joy a lot. Uh, you know, she's in a lot of like indie niche horror movies that we like. Yep. Um, so, yeah, she's she's pretty good, and that it is the most interesting story about chess I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I did watch the, the little Netflix... Um, trailer or like tease or whatever you want to say like when you're looking through movies mm-hmm. and you hover over it and it plays a little the little scene right i did watch that um i had no idea what the fuck it was about so yeah well it's about chess uh but gotcha. it's actually really compelling so cool all right that's that that's right. not mince words let's move into this uh this first topic let's do it okay this one's bad it is bad so YouTube will start showing ads on all videos, regardless of your monetization status. So, Brett, apparently you wrote, you put on here, changes are rolling out now in the U.S. Uh, and mid-2021 everywhere else. So it's actually taking, it's going into effect like now? Yeah, they just updated the YouTube TOS. Okay. And that was that was part of it. So the, the TOS, the update thing, the right to monetize section specifically... Um, is this from, so I pulled this thing here. I think this is maybe what it said before, right to monetize. So you grant to YouTube the right to monetize your content on the service uh, and such monetization may include displaying ads or within content or charging users a fee for access. This agreement does not entitle you to any payments starting November. Okay, so this is the updated one. This agreement does not entitle you to any payments. Starting November 18th, 2020, any payments you may be entitled to receive from YouTube under any other agreement between you and YouTube, including, for example, payments under the YouTube Partner Program. Program. channel memberships or super chat will be treated as royalties if required by law google with will withhold taxes from such payments so basically what this means is for those that don't know uh, the partner program is to become a partner on youtube right and to monetize your content with ads and the mid-roll ads and things like that you need to have more than 1,000 subscribers and achieve 4,000 hours of valid public watch hours in the past 12 months and have a linked Google AdSense account. This program obviously allows you to place ads on your own content, which in turn allows you to earn money for uploaded content. So I want to chime in here. Yes. That's actually newer. Um, You used to be able to be a partner for a lot easier than that. As a matter of fact, our channel was monetized and we were YouTube partners. Uh, But in the years in which we left our channel uh, dead and we didn't upload anything to it, our partner status was redacted and taken away from us right? um, because of the new guidelines that they put up. So that alone is abysmal. And now they're making it even more abysmal by just straight up monetizing your videos anyway. Right. Now, I do want to play devil's advocate for a second here. Um, If you if you have for us, for example, right, we're a smaller channel right yeah we're not we wouldn't see much monetization we wouldn't see much revenue anyway from that stuff not that we would care about it you know what i mean but you add then this threshold right for youtube partners a thousand subscribers and four thousand hours four thousand watch hours that's not necessarily a super easy entrance point for new channels trying to get a foothold right 
or older yep. channels that are trying to get more recognition, right? Or build their audience or whatever it is. And so now the fact that you are basically telling these smaller channels, even if, for example, us, right? We're a smaller channel. We don't have that many average views on each video, but we have several videos, right? Where there are thousands and thousands of views, you know, mm -hmm. like our one video, for example, the, um, the old uh, rest mode video has almost 100,000 views on it. It might at this point already. You know what I mean? So now what yeah. YouTube is saying is that we can't make money off of that. You and I couldn't make money off of that, right? Because we can't monetize it because we're not a partner. But now they can put ads on it and they can make money off of yeah. our content. Yeah. And not only that, Josh, but also the fact that our channel isn't monetized right now means that there aren't any ads running on our videos, which kind of helps us in the long run because if a new if a new watcher clicks on our video uh and there's no ad they're more inclined to stick around whereas if an ad shows up they're more inclined to turn it off and find another video right. um so the fact that before our videos weren't monetized they didn't have ads uh and now someone could be clicking on this specific video right now and get an ad when we don't even get any anything out of it and we didn't tell them to do that you know what i mean right um they're controlling the ads essentially which right. But it's kind of nuts. Listen, as we know, ads on YouTube are abysmal and they're just becoming more and more abysmal as a user. Forget like about a content creator as a user to actually consume the content on there. You start a video, right? It's at least two ads before you get to the fucking video itself. And then if it's like a video that's longer than fucking seven minutes or whatever, there's like 18 million mid-roll ads. And then you have to yeah. wait through those. And sometimes there's multiple ones in there. And it's like an abysmal experience. Dude, even I have ad blocker on my uh, Chrome. And Same. even with ad blocker, I'm starting to get ads pre-roll, like pre-video ads, mm -hmm. and it'll just have text. Like it'll say, like it'll be like, um, NBA 2K21 is out now, click here. And it'll just be like a gray box with that text and the skip button. And I still have to hit click skip in order to start the video with ad blocker. Right. So they've like found a way to advertise even past ad blocker, which is yeah. nuts. It just, to me, this seems like a, Forget about the significant infringement, right, on content creators, like, own intellectual property, right? You mm -hmm. think about how abysmal the DCNA is with both Twitch and YouTube and all of this stuff and how fucking, it's just a nightmare. We've talked about it before we have videos on it. Yeah. But the fact that they can now come along and monetize channels who are not partners seems like a violation of what their whole partner program is to me or what their own, it seems like they're violating their own terms of service here. You know what I mean? Yeah. The fact that well, you they, just they wrote the terms of service so they could change it. And I, I know, I know want. they can they can do it whatever. Well, but I'm just saying it's abysmal because it's like it, it's a two way street. And to me, it doesn't make sense. And it's extremely not only sketchy and unfair, but like disgusting that they can then make yeah. a lot of money right for them off of these like one hit wonder videos on smaller channels, essentially. But yet. Yep that channel can't do anything about it because they're hosting it on this platform. You know what I mean? They exactly. can't monetize. They can't make anything on it. And in fact, like you said, it's going to hurt them because for me too, as a consumer of like videos on YouTube, if I go to watch a video and there's abysmal ads and it's just something I was trying to look up or get information on or listen to somebody else's opinion on, I'm going to be like, ah, eh, you know, just fuck it. I, it's not worth my time and move exactly. on. Exactly. And just move on. Yeah. And one of the things I put here, um, I think it was from a website called a to Z google.com. Mm -hmm. Um, they report that Alphabet, the comp the parent company of YouTube and Google, yeah. um, recorded five billion dollars in ad revenue alone in the qu in quarter three of twenty twenty. Yeah. 
So five billion in one quarter in just ad revenue. That's that is money. absurd. But Brett, they need more. They need more. That's absurd. That is you, an absurd amount of money. You know why they're doing this change? Because they can look at their analytics and be like, oh, this non-partner program is actually hurting us monetarily. Fuck the creators, but that doesn't matter to them. It's hurting them monetarily, and they see all of these probably millions and millions and millions and billions of views, right, that go unmonetized that are like, okay, maybe those creators can't make money with our partner program, but we can sure as fuck make money off of them. Yeah. Fuck well, you. What, what doesn't get... Listen to this, right? They made it harder to become a partner, which means it's right. harder for them to make a cut of the ad revenue because less people are partners, right? Right. Whereas before, they had so many people out there as partners, they would just get a cut. Like, I have a YouTube channel where I am a partner. I am right. monetized. And I right. have gotten, like, a check from YouTube where they've given me $100. Mm -hmm. um, and they got a cut of that, correct? Right. So by making, like, for example, our channel not eligible, they're not getting our cut. Right. That we would have been getting if we were monetized. Right. So so they basically created a problem and their solution is to fuck everybody else and right. just monetize your videos anyway. Right. And that's that's a great point is the fact that, okay, you have changed this threshold for YouTube partner program, right? The the requirements for it. But in a sense, by doing that, you have eliminated a huge line of revenue for you. But instead of just exactly. doing the correct thing or the right thing or the better thing of being like, no, everybody can be YouTube partners again, because why wouldn't we want to make money off of it? You're saying, okay, yes, we do want to make money off of it, but fuck you. You're not going to make money off of it, but we still want to so that you don't get a cut of it. Exactly. They keep raising and changing this burial barrier and this threshold to being successful, at least monetarily on their platform, um, which in turn is going to impact actually being successful as far as views and the user experience from the advertisement perspective. I, I, I personally don't have a problem with them putting ads on videos if channels opt in to do it themselves. You know what I mean? If channels mm -hmm. want to opt in to do it themselves and their partners or whatever it is, then that's fine. But the fact that you can just now monetize something that is not your own creation is yeah. the exact opposite of the experience that your creators have on your platform. Exactly. It's ridiculous. It's sad. And we say it over and over again, YouTube, Twitch, we always say, you know, someone needs to come along and just be the next big thing and take over. But mm -hmm. they got money, man. Five billion in one quarter alone. I... I, I yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about that before. That it's abysmal, and that while it's it's great, it's also not where the uh, you know the communities are, the base of people, the users, uh, the creators, and the infrastructure too, because it all comes down to money. Yeah, and anytime there's a competitor, they'll either either get bought out or right. or pushed just out, fail. Right. Yeah. Uh, you look at Mixer. Even Mixer had the power of Microsoft and Xbox behind it. Failed. Failed. And they dumped a lot of money into it but not nearly as much money as Twitch and YouTube have. So, yeah, it's sad, yeah. man. It's sad. Continuing right. with sad stories, Brett. Yeah, this is a I'm sad gonna, one. I'm going to turn this over to you, so go ahead. All right, so we're going to talk about Nintendo and Super Smash Bros. Melee. So, Josh, as you know, Melee is a game from 2001. It was on the Nintendo GameCube. Mm -hmm. It is probably the most popular uh, Smash Bros. game in terms of competitive uh, 
the competitive right. scene. Right. I was going to say it is like the competitive like platform. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, and, you know, Nintendo has acknowledged this in the past. Uh, there was a moment in time, I think in 2016 or maybe a couple of years after that, where uh, Melee was going to be a part of Evo, which is the biggest fighting game tournament in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nintendo at that time said, we don't want our games being streamed. Remember that whole thing where Nintendo oh, was like, we don't want our games being streamed. I do remember that. Yeah. Nintendo basically said, you're not allowed to use Melee. You're not allowed to use Smash at Evo. And the fans had a huge uproar and they were allowed to do it. And it became really successful at Evo. Um, you know, that's how it goes, right? The fans speak up, right. change happens. Right. Now, Josh, the fans need to speak up again. And they have been. Because Nintendo has shut down a Super Smash Bros. Melee tournament for using mods to play online. So, a major Super Smash Bros. tournament had to cancel all their plans to move online amid the coronavirus. So right now we're in the middle of a pandemic. We can't have any in-person tournaments. Right. It has to be done online. Right. The problem is a game like Super Smash Bros. Melee is from 2001. There was no network features. There was no right. online function. So for the longest time, people have been using the Dolphin emulator to play right. Smash online. And it was abysmal. It did not run well, yeah, like, no. like the yeah. net code, you know. Yeah. Um, so the reason that Nintendo isn't cool with uh, this tournament called the big house using smash melee online is because of mm -hmm. a mod called slippy. Um, slippy. And they actually, they, yeah, slicky is, is right, dude. Um, so what slippy does is it features rollback net code, which has ultra smooth gameplay and cross continental low lag connections. Mm -hmm. People say it's literally like you're playing in the same room as someone. Yeah. Which is awesome, which means they just have, it's a, I mean, it's a huge, from a technical standpoint, it's like a huge server powerhouse. And I think they also offload and backend some processing stuff to the cloud. Yeah. So it's, yes. yeah. Um, they have integrated matchmaking. So built-in matchmaking for quickly finding nearby opponents. Uh, and then another big feature of Slippy is replays. It automatically saves replays of all your games and it optimizes them in like a really small file. Okay. Now, Slippy was made by one guy. His name's Fizzy. And he had a, uh, Slizzy. An actual, he actually had a full-time job while he worked on this. Mm -hmm. uh, he has a Patreon, and we're going to put that down in the description below, because I think that you know yes, we should we give are. him some love for doing this uh, Slippy project. Absolutely. So Slippy came out. It was a huge success. Everyone was raving about it. Twitter was going nuts. The Smash community was in love. It became the number one, play to, number one way to play Smash Melee yeah. online, right? So when that came out, and this tournament, the big house was coming up. They were like, we're just going to use Slippy. No problem. Well, Josh, Nintendo, the big end didn't like that. A Nintendo spokesperson spoke out, left a little message for everybody. And they said, Nintendo appreciates the love and dedication the fighting game community has for the Super Smash Bros. series. We've partnered with numerous Super Smash Bros. tournaments in the past. Unfortunately, the upcoming Big House Tournament announced plans to host an online tournament for Super Smash Bros. Melee that requires the use of illegally copied versions of the game in conjunction with a mod called Slippy during their online event. Nintendo therefore contacted the tournament organizers to ask them to stop. 
They refused, leaving Nintendo no choice but to step in and protect its intellectual property and brands. Nintendo cannot condone or allow piracy of its intellectual property. End quote. So, Josh, the question I have for you is, where do we draw the line? This game is from 2001. This mod made the game better. This game, this mod made the game playable in a time where it's not playable. What do you think? Where do we draw the line with intellectual property and game ROMs? We draw the line um, at being a cunt. Remember what I told you. Don't be a cunt. Hell yeah. <laughs> the line starts and stops with, ask yourself, are you being a fucking cunt? If the answer is yes, which in this case you are, then stop being a fucking cunt. That's it. Listen, this game is old, okay? Nobody, you've made all of your money off of this game that you ever are going to make ever again. They literally so, cannot make any more so unless they release it digitally. Yeah, If so if you're concerned about that, you're fucking dumb, okay? Yeah. Not going to happen. You're not making any more money off of it ever again. Goodbye, done, okay? So if that's your argument, strike one. No. Okay, so let's think about the piracy, the legality aspect of it. Okay, sure, I do get that, right? But it's their on. IP. But come on, man. Come on. When you have, like, music, for example, that's been uh, before a certain year or falls under whatever it is, it goes into the public domain, right? And you're basically, in this case, right, taking a super passionate um, group of your supporters that are still essentially giving you free advertising, right, with these tournaments, the characters right. especially you're advertising all of their characters yeah. and what you're doing is you're bottlenecking them and basically suffocating them to be like no you can't enjoy our intellectual property because blah 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 wine 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 complain 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 you know what i mean you're just basically silencing it's gonna it's things like this are gonna fucking still happen at, anyway whether they you support them or not yeah and the sad part about it is if, if it goes to court Nintendo's probably gonna win because they're a huge corporation well it's gone to court before um, Nintendo did sue people over ROMs and mm -hmm. um, emulation and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they were the ones that got a lot of the emulator hosting or the ROM hosting sites shut down. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not illegal to own a backup of a game you own. Right. So that's the problem, Josh, is they can't prove that you don't own the game that you have the ROM for. Because right. you could just take the disc and dump it onto your computer and that's you have the ROM. Right, right, right. You're just taking the code. Yeah. So they can't prove that the right. version you're playing on is illegal or whatever yeah. you know i just i think i think this is larger and a larger goes into a larger point too in the fact that it, copyright is so abysmal specifically in the united states but in general copyright is so abysmal okay when you have this thing right like this tournament for example these people are not trying to rip you off or make money off of your intellectual property that is not the goal of a fucking gaming tournament that's not the goal it's not like they're ripping it and fucking burning it to discs or putting the ROM up online and charging people and making money for it. That's not what's they are, happening. They are making money off ticket sales. Right, but they're not but, selling the game. They're not yeah, selling the you game. Yeah, and you could argue that they're selling tickets to watch high-level players perform on the game, right, not which so happens much all as to the watch time. the game. Which happens yeah. all the time. It's just like a sporting event. Yeah. So it's just... And the other part of this, too, is that you telling people that they can't host this tournament online, right? If it was happening in person, they would have copies of the game, but you could also still have it via emulation in person. So it could be the same thing. Yeah. And I just think companies have to really ask themselves, like, is this fight worth fighting, right? 
Am I actually in the right or am I wrong? And am I fucking hurting the community that is supporting this or not? Yeah. Here's the thing. I just, I, I think, number one, will the Smash competitive community be able to survive a year without any kind of competition, right. you know? Um, those events really, people look forward to that in that community. And to have it not, just completely canceled now. Not only was the Melee one canceled, but the Smash Ultimate one was canceled too, Josh. Yeah, and so, not to mention the prize pools and the money from that as well. Exactly. So these people that, you know, full-time... That's what they do. That's their job is they play these tournaments. That's a year without any income. Yeah. You know, that's number one. How, how will the, how will the scene survive? Right. And number two, my, the big point here that I, I want to get through to everybody is that this community, the melee community specifically yeah. has been around for so long, so long. The mm -hmm. game's been out since 2001, but the community has been out since a couple years after the game launched, I would assume, right? Mm -hmm. It's just as long. So Nintendo, and they know, Nintendo knows that this community is huge. And they've kind of catered to it with like Smash tournaments, like on E3 and all I that. I was going to say, you know we've I mean? literally seen them develop their own tournaments because of the existence of the Melee community. And they've brought the Melee guys in for the tournaments, right? So they know it exists, at least Nintendo of America, are mm -hmm. from our side, right? Mm -hmm. Um... And they just refuse to do anything to help them. How about you release Melee on the Switch? How about you release it with, you know, online integration? Um, do it for them then. If they're, Basically, all we're doing, all this community is doing, is making your game better and available to play. Because you won't do it, Nintendo. It's it, it, it resembles nuts. It resembles the... my Listen, I have a Switch. I love Nintendo games. They make fantastic games. They're a great gaming software company, okay? But it goes into the larger point of my whole issue with Nintendo, the fucking ecosystem and the thought process behind play, just the fucking adjective play. Xbox opened fucking structure for playing games, right? PlayStation has a more niche structure to games, right? They have a lot of proprietary stuff to their ecosystem. Nintendo is the most fucking proprietary, fucking suffocating, like, void of any kind of community-based support or infrastructure or platform or ecosystem that supports gamers in any fucking way. There's a barrier to literally everything you fucking do. They're fucking Nintendo Online shit, the dumbest fucking shit I've seen in my entire life. They create barriers and niches and fucking proprietary bullshit to everything they do, and it's abysmal. Yeah, like the Mario All-Stars, 3D All-Stars thing. You can it's... only get it until March, and then it's gone forever. I don't get it. I don't Why? get it. Why? Why? And with their games and Amiibos and all this stuff, they create these artificial supply problems that create ridiculous demand that fucking make the games never go down in price and skyrocket in avail or the price after launch and become impossible to buy. Yeah. They artificially create these bullshit barriers to everything they do, and I can't stand it. Yeah. Bad company. They're stuck in their ways. Listen, they've been around for a very, very, very long time. Of course. Um, they're very Japanese. They're mm -hmm. very stuck in their way, and that's just how it is. But uh, yeah, I think that I think we've said all that we can say. I think that that's pretty much it. Um, please, if you're watching this and you made it this far in the video, go check out Slippy. Uh, go mm -hmm. donate to Fizzy. 
and give him some money because he basically changed the way people play Smash online, uh, maybe even played Smash in general. Uh, and he was going to be the real hero of the coronavirus pandemic, and Nintendo kind of took it from him. So, yeah, yeah, that's it. Continuing with non-abysmal game preservation. Um, Sega VR. Slick game preservation. Slick game preservation. Uh, I'm going to let you kick this one off too, Brett, since uh, you're the one that presented okay. it to me. Yeah, so I was on Twitter the other day, and I'm scrolling through, and I found an article about an unreleased Sega Genesis VR headset. Mm-hmm. It, was, it never came out. Mm-hmm. But this guy from the uh, Video Game History Foundation managed to get the source code of the console and like the game, one of the games, and was able to emulate it on a Vive headset. Mm -hmm. So even though we never actually got the hardware for this thing, you, the watcher, the viewer of this video, you can go and download it and play it on your VR headset today. You can and experience what Sega Genesis VR was. Yeah. So they they canceled the their VR headset back in the day, right? Um, and they said that their official reason for canceling it was, well, it's obviously questionable, but they claimed that the experience was so realistic and immersive that it posed a high risk of injury from players moving around while using it. Now, this is in the 90s, people, okay? Yeah. And then, um, however, a likely factor in their cancellation, and this comes from a... Uh, uh, I think this is a direct quote from that uh, Verge article um, talking about it. Um, that a likely factor in the cancellation was feedback Sega received from the, St the Stanford Research Institute, which warned of headaches, dizziness, and sickness. So, you know, VR sickness, yeah. particularly on younger users and children. Um, and actually, in an episode of Retro Gamer Podcast, former CEO of Sega, Sega of America, Tom Kalinske, confirmed that these issues as a major factor in the decision to abandon the project. First of all, Tom Kalinske is slick. Uh, he's in that Sega documentary that I told you about mm -hmm. uh, back in the day. So he's cool as fuck. Um, and I think that I don't I don't know the timing of this, but mm -hmm. remember, Nintendo had the Virtual Boy VR headset. Right. And I wonder if this was supposed to be like the competition to that. But mm -hmm. the Virtual Boy never went anywhere, really. They only released like eight games or something like that. And nobody bought it. Right. So maybe this was like Sega's answer to that, but they stepped back as people realized that it wasn't successful. Right. I mean, as as we approached kind of the turn of the century, right, there was like this almost like rush to VR, right? Who was going to get to VR? Like the technology was, well, they thought the technology was almost there, like that it was going to be the next big thing. And it yeah. kind of fizzled out for a lot of those reasons we just talked about. VR sickness, access to it making it affordable yet also having the hardware so that you know the user experience is good whereas now we've seen yeah. the last couple of years we've seen this you know battle with vr and all these vr headsets come out and now they are accessible now they do work now vr sickness still is there but it's not as much of an issue with the higher fidelity screens and yep. you know playstation has a affordable headset htc has a more higher end headset but you have oculus kind of in the mid-range and you have all these other ways to access vr so yeah it's funny, you mentioned um, the cost, the affordability of, of a VR headset in the 90s. Mm -hmm. So I actually did some research and I found out that the original uh, original Sega Genesis launched at $189 in the United States. Mm -hmm. And the MSRP of this Sega VR headset was going to be $200. Mm -hmm. So 
the headset itself was going to be more than the console, and I could see how that was an issue. Yeah, not by much though. But yeah, but are you are you really going to convince your parents when you're a kid in the '90s to buy a virtual reality headset that costs more than the actual console itself? Yeah, no, probably yeah. not. But yeah, so just wasn't the price didn't make sense. Right. You know. Um, so yeah, so as I said before, um, the video game history. What do they call it? I want to make sure I get their name right. The Video Game History Foundation um, managed to dig up the code for it and get it working on an emulator, working right. on a Vive headset. And then you have here, Josh, in our notes, one of the games was, or the game, was Nuclear Rush. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's a 26-year-old CD-ROM yep. that had both the complete source code for Nuclear Rush, but also the tools for some other Genesis games that he'd worked on. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and you say here, the best part is you can actually download a ROM of Nuclear Rush and the software uh, that they wrote to allow right. the game to play on modern headsets. Right. So, so you can you can go. Uh, it's cool because you can basically go download this uh, game that never came out for this headset that was never released um, and kind of, you know, in a more modern sense with a, obviously a better VR headset kind of experience, maybe what Sega was um, aiming and hoping to do. Uh, with it yeah. back in the day, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and I did watch some gameplay of Nuclear Rush. Rush, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it is, like, still old school. Like, it doesn't look like modern VR at all, right? right. This is, like, Genesis at time, Sega Genesis and, you know, Super Nintendo. So the graphics aren't anything to write home about. However, the game does have full 360 turning left and right and up and down motion uh, in a virtual world, which is really cool. Um, you know, I was saying to you as I was watching it, I was like, this game looks pretty basic. Mm -hmm. It was like a game where you're like either in like a tank or like a flying ship. I couldn't tell what it was, but I was like, this would be cool if it had like a skin on it, like a Star Wars skin or something like they could have like sold this tech demo as a Star Wars licensed game or something and made a shitload mm -hmm. of money off of it. Yeah, so. it's, it's interesting to to look look at and draw comparisons between um, some of these games that Sega was kind of messing with for their headset about being more so like little experiences and demos almost and comparing that to now, whereas like at the really the start couple years ago of this new explosion of VR tech, like there was a most of it was just experiences, right? Like these little demos like even games that had just a very central design concept about how you were going to do it and then there was like you know a game skinned around whatever that is whether they were trying things with motion whether they're trying to counteract that screen door effect whatever it might be um and now later on that the tech has kind of finally got there you're starting to see larger full-scale games like half-life alex um yeah you know things like that so yeah you're right it is cool to compare and if you if you think about it, they had like the the formula right for how you make a, a game like right. that. You know what I mean? How to make a VR game, mm -hmm. uh, especially back then. If people were getting sick, you don't want to have this long experience. You want it to be a quick little experience that right. get in and out. So right, and something cool. I we knew, almost had it. Yeah, um, the just the the tech wasn't wasn't quite there yet. Um, and something you and I have both experienced, I think, is the more that you play VR, specifically both of our experiences with PSVR, the more you play it, the more used to um, the experience, I guess, for people, the less sick you're likely to feel. Main issue being that your brain thinks that it's in motion, yes. right? Because you, because that's what it is, but your body is not physically moving. So therefore, you get 
basically sick from your body not following that motion that your brain is. Think about it similar to like getting dizzy, you know what I mean, or getting the spins. Yeah, it's or something like that. Getting car sick or or seasick, you know. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, anyway, you get used to it basically. Yeah. Okay. All right. I say all right after every topic. You do. All right. It is all right. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Brett. So I have a story for you. A story. So, obviously, Xbox Game Pass is a great deal. Great deal. Right? It is a very popular gaming subscription service now. It is, it is central to Xbox's marketing strategy, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of active users, and Game Pass is great. Um, with Game Pass inevitably comes the question of what is PlayStation's response to Game Pass going to be? Okay. So I want to present this to you. I want to get your thoughts. And then I want to know if you think that uh, PlayStation actually needs to create something to compete with Xbox for this. Okay. Okay. So in an interview with TASS, which I believe is actually a Russian uh, news outlet. Don't ask me why. Haptic Intel Worldwide. Yeah, um, but basically, uh, Sony Interactive uh, Entertainment uh, CEO Jim Ryan, right, was asked in this interview uh, directly about what Sony might have planned in order to compete with Xbox Game Pass, and Jim Ryan said, "quote that there is news to come." End quote. Ryan also continued and pointed out that PlayStation does offer a competitor to Xbox Game Pass already. He said, "quote We have PlayStation now, and that is available in a number of markets." End quote. All right. Can I dive into this? You can. All right. PlayStation Now is nowhere near, nowhere near the value or quality of Xbox Game Pass. Mm -hmm. There's several reasons why. Number one, PlayStation Now does offer the downloading of certain PlayStation 4 games. However, most of the games on PlayStation Now are streamable only. Right. That's number one. Number two, Xbox Game Pass offers all of their exclusive Xbox games at launch. Yeah. I can't see PlayStation giving all of their first party games for free. Right. Especially launch. not how well they sell and how profitable they are. We are seeing their games coming out for free on the PlayStation Plus collection on PlayStation 5. Um, for place PS Plus subscribers. Yes. And I think that is a nice touch, and we're getting there. But I don't see any world in which we get PlayStation 5 games at launch that are first party for free with PlayStation. Right. That's I think more happen. like no, I think more likely it would be maybe more of a third party thing and for older first party titles. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. And I think that they are missing the mark when it comes to backwards compatibility of PlayStation 1 and 2 and even 3 games um, to be bought and downloaded and played on the PlayStation 5. Um, the streaming thing doesn't work. and It's not good. We tried it when it was in beta, when it first launched. Mm. Um, we were following Gaikai and that whole cloud gaming thing for years. And when they finally right. had the beta program up, you and I jumped on it right away and we tried it and it just wasn't mm -hmm. good. 
it did not yeah. play good. I played PS3 games. I played um, Pacific Rim fighting game. Like I, I figured yeah. a fighting game would be good to, th- to try out the latency, you know? Mm-hmm. Shit. Shit. And I don't know how it is now, years later, but I can't see it being that much better. I played Tokyo Jungle, too, uh, which is mm-hmm. a really good PS3 game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, the streaming thing ain't working. And if you want to, if that's your answer to PS3 games, so be it. Um, interestingly enough, one of the things that people did notice on the PlayStation 5 is that certain PS3 titles uh, for PlayStation Now have a price, which means we could be seeing the option to buy out PS3 licenses, but you would still have to stream it, the game. But you would, instead of paying for a subscription to PlayStation Now, you could buy Tokyo Jungle on PS5 and st- stream it literally to the console and play it as many times as you want. So you'd like own a license, but it would be a license to stream that specific game for $7 versus spending $20 for a subscription to the service. Mm-hmm. So that's in there and you can't actually buy it, but it's yeah. that is there. If you go look right now, you will see it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So we're getting off topic here um, a little bit, but I don't see any fucking way they could make playstation now better than game pass that's just me i agree um but i think too the other point is do they need to no sony always wins always wins you can't be sony come on they don't and i to me i don't think they do um Xbox has maybe kind of forced their hand with certain things um, with their Game Pass, with cloud streaming, with backwards compatibility and things like that. But I don't know if PlayStation needs to do that. You know, their first party games are super successful in and of themselves. You don't need to put them on a subscription service to have them be successful or reach a wider audience. They're already super successful as it is. The attach rate for those games are high. Um the other part of it too is that I just I really don't I, I, I it, to to me that would be that's like one of the biggest selling points with Game Pass. So if you don't need that, why would you do it? Okay, maybe for third party games, mm-hmm. but then what are you personally getting out of it besides maybe an additional subscription service? I just I don't I don't think they need to do it. You're no, they don't. You're right, and I think that if you think about Xbox and you think about Game Pass. Everything good about Game Pass has come from Xbox being behind Sony. Mm-hmm. And they've had to compete. And they've had to try everything they can in order to sell units and to sell subscriptions and right. make that money, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that Sony, as the leader right now in this console war, even needs to play ball. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Unless the PlayStation 5 has something really bad happen where which I don't see it happening, but some major scandal comes out about the PlayStation 5 and everyone's like, holy shit, we're going to start buying Xboxes instead. And the Xbox is just outselling the fuck out of the PlayStation. We're not going to see any changes, I don't think. Right. He said we have news to come. You don't know when that, you know what I mean? That news could come two, ten, five thousand years from now. Who knows? Yeah, I think um, where they are onto something, though, PlayStation specifically is... With the Plus collection, mm-hmm. and I know there's a couple of games on there that are not first-party games, but maybe they do something where it's like, okay, after, you know, 
after these games have been on the market for one year, two years, three years, they automatically get added to the PlayStation Plus collection, yeah. you know, for free or something like that. I don't know. But they couldn't make that commitment, Josh, because then it would hurt the sales of their games because then you would know, oh, sure. I don't have to buy this. There's, it already happens now where you're like, I don't have to buy this game. It's going to be on uh, PlayStation Plus in a couple months. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you knew for a fact that every PlayStation launch title or exclusive um, was going to be on the Plus collection in three years, you might wait. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. I, I don't think that Jim Ryan... I don't know much about Jim Ryan. I don't know mm-hmm. even what he looks like, to be honest with you. Um, if you show me a picture, I'd probably be like, oh, that's Jim Ryan. Yeah, you know what he looks like. I just think he doesn't, I think he's just talking. And I don't think he needs to do that right now. He needs to just shut up and let the console succeed. Uh, because he also said some shit that we didn't cover about the um, the fact that the PlayStation 5 can't use external SSDs to play PS5 games. Mm. He said that we, we don't have any reports of users uh, complaining about storage issues. What, dude? What? You got 800. Your console has 600 gigabytes of usable space. Exactly. He's like, yeah, that's not something we're looking into. We haven't heard any reports of that. So when I heard that, I kind of, when I, and then I saw this headline about what we're talking about now, I was like, I'm checking out. And Jim Ryan needs to just shut up. He's doing more more harm than he is doing good. So, um, I think that the big dick move, Josh, would be merging playstation now with playstation plus just like game pass and gold have done um you got to get playstation now into more hands let people try it and that is how the program the platform will succeed is by getting it yeah playstation now probably only has like a single subscriber and it's fucking jim ryan himself dude and shuhei yoshida nah shu knows what's up she's like that shit sucks so yeah man uh jim ryan yeah i just just, yeah shut up dude relax first of all bring sean layden back second of all keep your mouth shut hell yeah so we'll see i mean maybe at uh you know the next big gaming uh like conference or live stream we might see something the game might be uh game awards and then uh, paris games week paris games week we might see a playstation direct or whatever the fuck they're called yeah experience who knows? Yeah, whatever. But it's not something they need to do within the first year of the PlayStation's life cycle, I don't think. PlayStation 5. Nah. So. All right. Okay. All right, Brett. Wrapping up this week's pod, as we do every week, with a segment we call Indie Intel. This week. Oh, no. Oh, no. You Sorry. Wanna, you want to read uh, that? Compute- no 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 we're fine my computer just fucking uh dude i gotta do something with my disk space shit's fucking up here yeah computer just like fucking your screen like flashed yeah dude it did anyway i saw this week for for indie intel we're talking about uh um a game called the spirit of the samurai brett a dark epic metroidvania
The Spirit of the Samurai is an epic adventure 2D game with Metroidvania-style gameplay. Explore a vast world of non-linear levels with a unique visual style and environment. You will be a samurai, a cat, and a kodama. With spectacular, meticulous made art and designed combat with stunning animations taking every care of detail, we offer you the possibility of immersing yourself in a great samurai adventure unlike any you have been Oh, shit. <laughs> Unlike any you have seen or imagined. Uh, explore a dark yet beautiful world set in medieval Japan and its ancient mythology where you will fight against mythological creatures, demons, undeads. Join a samurai and his amazingly cute kitten cat on an epic and dangerous adventure to recover his body and destroy the evil that grips your lands. So, Josh, you explain this game as like a samurai Kubo and the two strings or whatever that fucking movie's called. So... Yeah, I know you haven't seen Kubo on the two strings, right? No. Um, have you seen Paranorman? No. I've seen Coraline. Okay. Okay, no, I'm not talking about Coraline. Paranorman and Kubo, I believe, are directed and done by the same person. Um, but it's... I think it is technically claymation, but they have a lot of other elements in there of stop motion. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, but it's not like traditional claymation. It's stop motion with claymation elements. Yeah, I'm familiar with like Kubo. That. I've seen... Um, some behind the scenes shit of how they animated it. So I, yeah, I am familiar with it. it. Kubo and the Two Strings is a phenomenal movie, by the way. It's one of the best like animated movies I've ever seen in my entire life. It's spectacular. Um, but basically this it, it is like a, it looks like Kubo and the Two Strings in the sense of how it is animated and how it moves, yeah. right? Um, like via a frame rate type thing to make it look stop motion, you know? Yeah. Um, when I was watching the trailer, I said to you, I said, I don't know if that's actually stop motion or if it's just like they're using the frame rate to give that illusion. But either yeah. way, kudos to them because that's a cool effect. Oh, absolutely. And they could have also probably accomplished it with the animations themselves if they, you know, if they did one fluid animation and then took out, you know, Frames. every other frame or something like that, whatever it is yeah. to make it look like that. Um, but it, it looks it looks fantastic. The the trailer is incredible and it's it's cool because it's it's 2D, right? It's a 2D Metroidvania style Side -scrolling. game. Right. With, you know, it, it looks like a little bit more complicated than a hack and slash type combat. Uh, it looks a little bit more intuitive than that. Um, but also, like, there's these these kills that you can do, these finishers or whatever, that change the camera perspective to 3D instead and shows, like, the finisher, and then it goes back. Yeah, they the call, they call those CG uh, finishers, I believe, in the Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something they're trying to add more of. Yeah. Um, with this project, but it looks, it just looks so freaking cool. Yeah. Um, now they hope to bring the game, obviously bringing the game to PC, but also Atari, uh, is backing this game. So they're going to bring it to the Atari virtual console. Um, I don't know if you saw that on there yet. Yeah. And apparently Atari has a virtual console, which I didn't even fucking know about. So yeah, Atari is backing and supporting this project. I think in the, in helping them distribute it on that platform. And it is, um, a developer from Spain, correct? Yes. Uh, yes, from Spain. Mm -hmm. We don't know about their size, um, but... Yeah, I don't see... On their Kickstarter page, I don't see anything about their team. Um, it, it might be on here. I'll down a little bit further, but there's a lot of more... You can get specific um, rewards, too, for the Atari uh, virtual stuff. It's interesting. And I think either we just caught this fresh or not a lot of people know about it, Josh. It only has three thousand mm -hmm. dollars. Uh yeah, so it just started I think uh seven days ago, 
or something like that. Uh, has 93 backers thus far. It has 23 days to go. So this will definitely be out before that campaign is over. But this looks so cool, man. Yeah. Um, so this is one that I think I might back just to help it get past that finish line because yes, damn, it, it's like so unique looking. And I think we need to start rewarding people and developers for trying new things and yeah, creating and this new experiences. Is that. Exactly. And if, if this doesn't get funded, that's a damn shame because you know, yeah. they're trying to do something. New, it just, unique. it just looks, it's so I've not, I've not seen a game done in the way that this is and how it's presented. Yeah. Um, some of it even reminds me of like Ori and the blind forest a little bit. Like when yes. you're playing as the little blue guy. Kod- yes, Kodama. The, I th- yeah. The Kodama. And then there's, there's literally a screenshot with, um, Takeshi, who is the main, uh, I guess one of the four people that you can play as, um, like kneeling on the sword in front of the, the Fox, um, which they, they, there is a name for the Fox. I forget. Um, uh but anyway kneeling in front of the fox and i got i saw that i was like oh this has very like ori vibes to it um so yeah it looks really cool man i'm I'm excited for this i'm gonna back this project um and then i i I don't know i hope i hope this gets funded because i would really like to play this game is it a um all or nothing project meaning if they even if they don't make it they keep the money Mm mm-hmm Yep. So it's all or nothing. The project will only be funded if it reaches its goal by Wednesday, December sixteenth, two thousand and twenty. Damn. All right, well, yeah. Check it out, guys. Seriously, um, I'm sure Josh will, as he's editing this, throw up videos and stuff of the actual game, so you can check it out. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, check out the description of our video, and you'll see the links to the Kickstarter page, and consider backing it because it looks really cool. It, it reminds me of Indivisible. Remember that game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another game, it was like a, a, a side-scrolling platformer like that um, with a really unique art style and a really unique animation style. So if you know yeah. of Indivisible and you think that looked cool, definitely check this out and get this shit funded, yo. Yeah. Spirit of the Samurai. Check it out. Um, I do too, Brett, want to... Maybe uh, maybe not. It doesn't have to be in the next couple of weeks because we're going to have the game game awards special next week and then we're gonna go into the game awards and things like that um but it would be cool to at some point revisit some of the projects that we have covered Mm -hmm. um just be like where are they now type of thing because most of the projects we've covered have gotten funded thus far or have been funded yeah um one of the more notable ones was pulse day um the one that we talked about you know it it really blew off after we covered it not because we were the ones that covered it but because it got you know what i mean yeah it got a lot of recognition um and I think that's that's important too, is to maybe go back and revisit some of these um, these projects that we've talked about and backed. I think that's so. a good idea. And even if we can play, if you know, if one of them has a finished product, we could play the finished product or a demo. Um, right. I think that'd be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's that's it. That's the end of our show. That's another week in the books. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Josh, thank you for hosting another episode um fantastic fantastic good episode i think actually a lot of compelling topics yeah the um some interesting stuff out there um right now and for better or worse uh, again yeah and again yeah fuck youtube um we're gonna be doing the um we're gonna be doing our game awards special uh next week uh version of haptocast we're basically gonna 
do our own game awards and then we'll be hosting um the game awards live uh, on youtube i don't know about twitch we haven't discussed that yet um i'm afraid that we're gonna get dmca yeah we probably will on both platforms anyway so whatever yeah but we'll figure it out and let you all know um we'll put some you know information out about where you can watch with that um and like brett has said in the past that's basically just going to be like a watch along you can come hang out with us um and you know see our reactions and join with us in watching the game awards um which this year is going to be big apparently according to jeff Keeley, but he says that about every year but this year is especially cool since they are doing you know it they're basically hosting it in three different countries virtually around the world yep so all right yeah but all right anything else to add no, just, you know, uh, make sure you guys subscribe, like, comment, and check out our social media. We have the link tree down below. You can click on that and uh, stay up to date with all of our social media accounts. Um, Josh is very uh, active on his Twitter. I'm very active on mine. So go on there and check us out, guys. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for watching Hapticast episode 25. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for checking out this episode of Hapticast. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to Haptic Intel. Thanks for watching.